Right, glad you're with us. Thank you, Scott Shannon. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Look, I said it to be, well, I said it before I went on vacation at Christmas time. I said, okay, rest up, enjoy your family, enjoy the holidays. I'll see you after the new year. And, but get ready. It's going to be an emotional roller coaster of a year. And we're 55 days now out of, I think, a defining election and the defining election in American history. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I've been saying to anybody that'll listen, you know, the greatest country God gave man, the greatest wealth creating nation ever in the history of mankind, a country that has a, a system of governance where we have proven the, the, the wisdom of our founders and framers to right wrongs, correct injustices, to become a more perfect union. I mean, it, it's not a perfect system because there's no perfect people on earth. But there's never been a better system ever designed or created by man. And, you know, the United States is responsible for advancing the human condition because of liberty, freedom, capitalism, risk, reward, because of... What, you know, how else do you describe it? By the way, if James can print out the six texts about Fauci, I would like to see that. Thank you. Um, and so it is, you know, we have, we have transformed the human condition. Invention, innovation. That is America. I know it's maybe it's not popular, I guess, anymore. American greatness, American goodness, American exceptionalism. But with that said... We have, as I was pointing out yesterday on this program, and I did it on TV last night, we now have an environment in which every single solitary major institution, the media, the mob, print, broadcast, ABC, NBC, CBS, cable networks devoted to hating you know, Donald Trump every second minute hour of every day, they can never say a single good thing this man has done. They have been after him and his family the moment this man came down the escalator. They laughed at his candidacy. They laughed at the idea he could win the primary. They never had a chance against the Clinton machine. And then it's interesting because he actually did something that very few politicians ever end up doing, and that is keeping his word and keeping his promises. We've gone through the checklist over and over again. But it's now the biggest choice election in history, the stated policies of the ever confused, I mean, is there really any doubt that there's some kind of cognitive issues going on with Biden? I mean, is that even in dispute? Are we going to be honest here? Because if we're honest, you know, it's obvious. It's obvious the mob, the media, they're protecting him. It's obvious Hollywood's protecting him and just propping him up with as much money in a slick ad campaign. And, you know, it's obvious that, you know, all these institutions now, the good news is it doesn't matter what they say, what they report. I mean, there's a danger that, that some people might still believe their crap and their lies and their conspiracy theories and their hoaxes. But back to my original point, this is now 55 days out. This is now the insanity season. Every day there's going to be a new bombshell. Bombshell. Donald Trump said this about the military. Well, he also there's been no president since Ronald Reagan in generations now. A massive military buildup. It was Donald Trump. It wasn't Joe and it wasn't Barack. Actually, it was under Joe and Barack that we exposed how corrupt the VA system is. Those are promises we made to our vets. 
They didn't fix it. Donald Trump fixed it. And if the VA is not providing the health care our brave men and women were promised and they deserve, they have the option now to go to their own private hospital and they get the medical attention they need in a timely fashion. You know, it, it, Donald Trump gave the biggest pay raise in, in a generation to our military. Donald Trump followed through on his promise to, to rebuild America's broken down, dilapidated military. He took off literally the handcuffs on the rules of engagement. Joe and Barack, they couldn't beat the caliphate because they, they had so many restrictions on our military. And it was, you know, you had to be fired on first. Well, you're never going to win a war that way. President following through on, on pulling out of protracted wars. Look, you're never going to hear it. Every day it's going to be some breathless, hysterical reporting uh, 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 about how much they hate Donald Trump. And, and it's such overkill in many ways. But I don't, you know, that's why I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you who's going to win. I can tell you, assuming the cheating is not that bad, we do have, what, 1,285 cases of voter fraud identified in America, according to the Heritage Foundation, almost 1,000 people arrested for such. We have it in recent elections. New York, by the way, they, had the, they threw out 84,000 ballots in, the, in two districts in New York. Are you kidding me? It's happening all around the country. But let's change the system with 55 days to go. I, I have a lot of faith in government to really do that right. They've done so well with Social Security and Obamacare and so well with a law and order and safety and security. They've done so well in liberal cities and states run by Democrats for decades. that Oh, of course, we'll, we'll put our faith, hope, and trust in them. So it's going to be something a day. I mean, now it's like a book a day. You know, I guess Cohn's book comes out yesterday. You know, that's what I wake up to. Michael Cohn, well, he did admit that I, I, he was never my attorney. I said, oh, we've got some progress in life. Uh, which he did apologize privately, and I just knew, I just like, uh, you know, I got to forgive. Got to move on. You know, it just is, uh, you know, at least he admitted that, but he said he'd done so privately. But, you know, now it's Bob Woodward, and he's got a bombshell interview tapes. And the only criticism I might have in the book is called Rage, and Bob Woodward always writes pretty explosive books, and so it's going to go from, okay, but Donald Trump doesn't like the military. It's not true. It's an absolute falsehood. And as evidenced by actions, not evidenced by words. There's so much symbolism. You know, if you, if you wear a mask, you're symbolically really doing, no, you're not. And it's the same thing now because they, they have these tapes. And what's pretty fascinating is the media is interpreting it all wrong as usual. Now, I happen to be in the middle of this in terms of, remember, it was Joe Biden. It wasn't Joe Biden talking about a travel ban 10 days after the first identified case of coronavirus. That would be Donald Trump who did that. First identified case, January 21st of this year. Travel ban, January 31st of this year. We first interviewed Dr. Fauci on this program. That, when did that happen? Fauci uh, on, what, January 27th. I interviewed him again, I think, February 11th. Um, we had other experts on before the travel ban. Then the travel ban. What did Joe Biden say about the travel ban? It was hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering. Okay, that turned out to be one of the 
dumbest things he's ever done and said over the years. And then the subsequent travel bans and the first quarantine in, what, 50 or 60 years. All right, so Donald Trump is on the phone. He's with Bob Woodward, and the date is February 7th. Now, I happen to interview the president February 2nd at the Super Bowl, and I asked him about coronavirus even in that interview. Now, the president put the travel ban in effect after the first case and in 10 days after. Think of how many lives have been saved. How many Americans did not contract the virus because of these decisions, the decisions Joe never would have made. So on February 7th, he's telling Bob Woodward, I guess, explaining, look, it was only at that point, it was, uh, what, 17 days after the first identified case of Corona. This is what the president is telling Bob Woodward, that Corona seems more deadly than the than a strenuous flu. Let's listen. It goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air. and That's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. So the president sees something that the rest of the country is not seeing. And that is, yeah, this is bad. I'm really taking this very seriously. That's what I take out of that. And that the president is, is okay, he's taking steps that nobody had ever taken in, in years. Nobody ever put a travel ban in effect that fast. And, and Joe Biden, if he were president, wouldn't have done it either. All right, then fast forward to the middle of March, telling Bob Woodward, this is where the controversy is, the coronavirus, you know, that, that he wanted to play it down. He didn't want to start a panic over it. In other words, if exponentially, this is how I interpret it, exponentially, if it's five times worse, what the president was saying February 7th, exponentially, okay, the average flu year, 30, 40, 50,000. Most people don't even know. We lose 40, 50,000 people a year often with flu. And anyway, so he's telling Bob Woodward he doesn't want to hype this thing up. He doesn't want people to panic. Well, he was downplaying it. He said, okay, I downplay it, meaning I'm not hyping it up, is, is my clear interpretation. You decide. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with sure, you. Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to. Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. So he's talking about two different things than what the mob and the media is ever going to talk about. Now, remember, the initial models, they were all wrong. We didn't even know at this point that China had lied to us on a profound level. We found out later that they had their own travel ban. You couldn't leave Wuhan province and go to any other part of China, or you couldn't come from any other part of China into Wuhan province. But they left their airports open. If you were leaving Wuhan uh, province for Italy or any other part of the world, that, that travel existed. I mean, it's madness. On their part, total madness. Um, now, what they're, you know, they're also apparently claiming in the book that Dr. Fauci said, all right, the president has a short attention span. What they're not saying is, okay, uh, Dr. Fauci was on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and Fauci said Trump never challenged him on the science of coronavirus. And Fauci said the response of, of the Trump administration has been impressive. I can't imagine anybody could be doing anything more. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you a question. You've been doing this a long time. 
Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it, impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck, is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full time on this, almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone uh, throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. I mean, obviously, we're, we're fighting a formidable enemy, this virus. This virus is, 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 a, is a serious issue here. Now, nobody likes the flu killing people every year either. Nobody, but, but then we had the largest medical mobilization. Nobody's criticizing the Blasio. Here are my recommendations. Go out on the town and march. Or, you know, Cuomo, we're not like these other countries. We have the best health care system in the world. Excuse uh, our arrogance as New Yorkers. I speak for the mayor also on this one. We think we have the best health care system on the planet right here in New York. So uh, when you're saying what happened in other countries versus what happened here, uh, we don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. Oh, I guess that was wrong, too. Anyway, 800-941. It's going to be every day. They don't want America to focus on the president's record, the president's positions, and the fact that Joe, well, he's frail and weak, and it's obvious to everybody. They'll protect him. That's what the next 55 days is about. So Fauci is saying that nobody could ever act any better. And that, that gets ignored. Look, one of the keys, and I would argue any campaign has to understand, and that is this, this is now coordination. You have coordination as it relates to the mob, the media. You have coordination, rhino Republicans, all these varying groups. You know, the same people that tried to tell us, we conservatives, you got to suck it up and you got to support, you know, the rhino Republican candidate for the good of the team. And most of us did because it became a choice of the, you know, better of two horrible choices. And yet they have in large numbers, you know, you, you begin to see where people are coming from. I mean, they're not just rhino Republicans. They're, they're willing to support a radical extreme socialist in a, in a clear, you know, cognitive state of weakness and frailty and em embrace radical socialism and redistributionism and the new green deal and open borders and liberal justices on the Supreme Court. Now, when we come back, the president might speak. Uh, we have Bill O'Reilly today and more. Zogby says Biden is in trouble with African-American voters. We'll get to that and much more straight ahead. All right, Amazon.com, 40% off bookstores everywhere. Deep discounts. Thank you again. Uh, it's kind of surprised us going back up to number two all week on Amazon.com. 
I think the definitive book, everything that's at, at stake, which is what the media mob, this is my whole point about, this is going to be a daily distraction. It's going to create a, a, anything to obstruct from Donald Trump's record and a full, complete analysis of Joe Biden and what his agenda, his stated agenda that would end in a disaster. His his record of, of 50 years in the swamp his record, eight years as vice president. They, they desperately don't want to talk about any of those things ever. Uh, but that is the nature of the body politic in the world we live in today. And we just all have to, you know, stay steady and understand that this this election matters. And, you know, you watched last night, anecdotally, I see this massive crowd in Winston-Salem for the president. I don't see that for Joe Biden. I don't see any enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Joe Biden, you want to talk about the president saying, yeah, Corona's bad. bad. That's why I put in the travel ban. Why didn't Joe, why did Joe Biden call it hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering? How many other Americans, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans like they would have contracted the virus and, you know, mathematically you play that out, died from the virus had he had his way. It's a, you know, you have a, a Boston coronavirus lab suspended after 400 false positive tests were uncovered. We had the same problem down in Florida. Now they know in New York it's over 11,000 elderly people that, that died needlessly because of the stupid executive order of New York politicians. Unbelievable. By the way, L.A. officials have just announced that Halloween trick-or-treating will be strictly prohibited this year due to coronavirus. Okay, what if it's a, a, a protest? What if it's a Black Lives Matter protest? Are they going to say no to that, too? Apparently, that's exempt. According to the Washington Examiner, guideline released uh, ahead of Halloween the L.A. County Department of Public Health said residents will not be permitted to participate in any form of trick-or-treating, whether door-to-door, car-to-car, because of coronavirus. It is not allowed because it can be very difficult to maintain proper social distancing on porches and at front doors, especially in neighborhoods that are popular with trick-and-treaters or treaters, whatever you call it. Trick-or-treating events. Anyway, the guidelines suggested holiday Revelers consider participating in the celebration by holding an event online or dressing up in their home. Okay. As long as, like, Donald Trump made the mistake in Oklahoma. He should have just called it a protest. He would have been fine. Um, but it is, you know, for Democrats, you know, the virus is now in decline. And you see the hot spots. It seems to have taken on the same pattern. Florida, Arizona, Texas, California even. You know, flattening of the curve, then the drop-off, then the dramatic drop-off, Johns Hopkins. There are a couple of states that, that see cases rising. I know one of them is Iowa. West, West Virginia is another one. There are four states. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's been a, a challenge the world was lied to. Um, anyway, suddenly Joe and uh, Kamala Harris are sounding like fringe parents or, you know, you know, these people. And by the way, I don't have any negative words to to for parents that are anti-vaccine. And it's so controversial. I, I'm like, of course I believe in science and vaccinations. I, for me, it was a no-brainer. You know, there were people that wouldn't get their kids vaccinated against polio, even today. And, you know, for whatever, I, I, I try to be respectful of people that have 
bizarre views. Because to me, that's that just makes no sense. But I try to be respectful. I understand some people have deeply held religious values, and I want to respect their religious freedom. And I think it's crazy, but, you know, they do it. But anyway, now we have, uh, I love this, you know, Biden-Harris, they, they want to erode confidence in the vaccine. Now, AstraZeneca did have a temporary stop because of, you know, potential problem that, that they want to investigate. We're in final stage human trial testing for a vaccine. That should get every, give every American hope. This invisible virus will be defeated by American ingenuity, American researchers, medical researchers, and scientists, and doctors, and medical professionals. And anyway, I want to see what the scientists said about the vaccine. Biden huffing and puffing. I want full transparency. That is, don't trust the vaccine okayed by Team Trump. It's not going to be each Team Trump that decides. It's going to be AstraZeneca. It's going to be Moderna. They're the ones that are going to decide if it's ready. Um, and, you know, Harris more. She would she'd trust the word of public health experts, but not the president. President's not going to make that decision. They're going to conf- they're going to tell him. Uh, in other news, uh, American optimism is up. Americans are becoming less likely to say the coronavirus pandemic is getting worse, less worried about falling ill than they were in recent months. Gallup just found out in a poll they had. Uh, that's just 47 percent of adults said the pandemic was getting worse, down from 61 percent who said the same thing last month. Well, that's because they were able to flatten the curve again. And then the patterns. And by the way, it was just 10 days ago, Biden was finally forced out of his basement because of his plunging poll numbers. He's been flipping and flopping and flailing all over the place. You know, oh, no, I never said I was against fracking. That's a lie. I mean, he flip flaps on fracking because he knows he's going to lose Pennsylvania and Ohio. He's against fracking all throughout the primary campaign. Then two days on the campaign trail, he realized, oh, yeah, I need those voters. Let me lie. You know, you have after the, the George Floyd protest erupt, Biden said repeatedly he wanted to redirect funds away from the police. Yes, absolutely. And then when, of course, now the rioting goes on and on and on. I never said that. Well, that's a lie, too. When Bozo O'Rourke was the flavor of the month during the primary, he vowed to start gun confiscation. As soon as Bozo, yeah, hell yeah, we're coming for your AK-47s. After he crashed and burned, Biden said he'd appoint him as a gun czar. Now we have the Bernie, Bolshevik Bernie Biden manifesto of 110 pages of pure socialist drivel that should frighten every American because it'll destroy the greatest wealth producing economy on the face of this earth. That brings us to today's flip flop. And then Biden backing uh, off his own national mask mandate, saying he wouldn't issue any binding orders because he believes it would be unconstitutional. Oh, what? You got some brushback? Um, John Zogby is now saying that Biden is in trouble with African-American voters. By the way, this has now been a trend. This isn't one poll. This is now the last six. We've had this trend going on throughout the election. These are not outliers. Anyway, the numbers of of likely African-American voters for Biden are nowhere near what Democrats would normally expect, which is 90 percent. He added this alone could potentially cost Biden the election. 
Poll for Newsmax, Zogby said 2008-2012, Barack Obama got 96% and 93% of the black vote. Hillary Clinton, 89%, was not enough for her to win the presidency. He says if Donald Trump gets 14% of the African-American vote in November, well, that would hurt the Democratic nominee against many critical Rust Belt states, along with Minnesota, Georgia, Texas, which Biden says, I don't believe it, that he hopes to win. And insiders in the White House said, yeah, well, now we have four polls with Trump anywhere between 19 and 24 percent of African-American support. He gets half that. It's a major win. We have a, an update, by the way, as it relates to John Durham's investigation. I know many of you are frustrated. I'm frustrated. Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of the president, said he has seen, quote, additional documents pertinent to John Durham's criminal inquiry into the Russia investigation. He was on with our, our friend and colleague Maria Baratoromo on Tuesday, quote, additional documents that I've been able to review, say, a number of the players, the Strucks, the Andrew McCabe's, the James Comey's, and even others in the administration previously are in real trouble because of their willingness to participate in an unlawful act. And I would use the word unlawful. At best, what they did broke all kinds of protocols. At worst, people should go to jail. We'll have to see what happens with that. A little too slow for my liking. I'm not going to lie. Uh, anyway, Rasmussen says 17% of Trump voters are unwilling to say who they will vote for. This is historic. That's like the Cato Institute. I mean, it's, it's that, and I don't blame anybody for not telling any pollster a thing. I don't think they did, you know, and I, and we have our pollster friends on all the time, but I'm honestly, I don't trust anybody. They haven't been fair in their samples. They were wrong in 2016. They were wrong on election day. Uh, November 8th of 2016, they've been wrong the whole time. Latest Rasmussen survey has Biden, Trump in a statistical dead heat today. And it's, you know, uh, my, my, my motto, my refrain remains the same. You're six points down. You have no timeouts. You're on your own 20. You got to march down the field, 80 yards, got to cross the plane, kick the extra point to win. That's how that's that's how I am viewing this election. And I am not, by the way, changing that between now and Election Day, because, yeah, if people don't participate, I, I can't make people vote. I only have one vote. Anyway, this has to make remember Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize for nothing. Now, Trump's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize by the Norwegian official citing the Israeli UAE peace deal. That'll make liberal heads in the mob explode. Uh, anyway, the Pentagon is set to announce another promise of the president. He didn't want to keep American brave men and women, our national treasure in harm's way. And with the investment now in modern medical, I'm sorry, modern uh, warfare and technology, we don't need to go door to door in Iraq. He, the president proved that by defeating the caliphate in Syria. Democrats privately are fearing a 2016 repeat despite Biden's lead in the polls. The president now his approval has hit his high water marks. First one since June. Uh, what that was the latest Hill Harris poll. Uh, Trump, I was sailing to an easy election until the pandemic hit. I think there's some truth to that. By the way, the president will be on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. 
Now, uh, you know, the president is out there in front saying, by the way, have you noticed these people in restaurants now? They're just walking over to tables on the street, grabbing somebody's cocktail, their beer. Well, let's go to the president. He's announcing, well, he's actually announcing judicial appointments. We won't do that now. The president says restaurant rioters will be in charge if Joe Biden wins. Well, these are all Democratic-run cities. Preview of coming attractions is what I call it. You know, and rightly, the president pointing out Kamala Harris, because the mob won't do it, is far to the left than Bernie Sanders. That's all true. U.S. Army vet says he was used as a prop in an anti-Trump propaganda video. Well, I look at actions, not words, and the president's actions towards the military speak for themselves. Fixing the VA, pay raise, largest military buildup since Reagan. You know, Biden on the trail. He's actually in Michigan. Our own Lawrence Jones is there. He'll report tonight from Michigan. And I was told that they they withheld from the media where the event was going to take place. And then at the last minute, you find out there were more Trump supporters there than there were Biden supporters. Um, That's pretty interesting. The president will visit Michigan tomorrow. President says the economy would collapse and the rioters and the anarchists and the looters. Yeah. What is what is Biden and Kamala going to do about all of this? I mean, it is sad that that there is this information crisis in the country. You can't get straight news from anybody in the mainstream media mob. And they're a mob and they have an agenda and their agenda is to defeat Donald Trump at all costs. I'm sorry, what? Uh, He's hitting the left, boss, if you want to take it for a little bit. Hitting the left? All right, we, let's, let's, let's dip in. From all over the world to pursue the American dream based on this sacred principle, equality under the law is the bedrock of our society. It is the principle that inspired American heroes to abolish slavery and end segregation, secure civil rights, and build the most free and just nation in history. Unfortunately, there is a growing radical left movement that rejects the principle of equal treatment under the law. If this extreme movement is granted a majority on the Supreme Court, it will fundamentally transform America without a single vote of Congress. Radical justices will erase the Second Amendment, silence political speech, and require taxpayers to fund extreme late-term abortion. They will give unelected bureaucrats the power to destroy millions of American jobs. They will All remove right, so that's the, the president, and uh, he's going into his announcement on judicial appointments. We'll keep monitoring. we got Bill O'Reilly coming up. Uh, also, our pollsters, we'll get into them today. Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Best election coverage available on your radio dial, 800-941-SEAN. Our toll-free number, you want to be a part of the program, 55 days, you are the ultimate jury. By the way, Tom Cotton, Senator Ted Cruz, their names added to a list of potential uh, court uh, appointments uh, that the president made earlier. Uh, we're going to go right to just moments ago. The president did a Q&A with the uh, mob and the media. A lot of the questions dealing with his answer to Bob Woodward uh, in his new book, Rage. Now, the interesting thing is the way the mob is carrying this and the way that Joe Biden is reacting to this. Uh, because the president, remember, the timeline actually matters here. January 21st this year, the first identified case of coronavirus. The 31st of January this year, that's 10 days later, the president puts the China travel ban in effect. And, of course, subsequent travel bans. Then 
the first quarantine in, in what, 50, 60 years. Then, remember, Joe Biden's reaction was this is hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. What were the rest of the Democrats doing? Well, they were in the middle of their impeachment trial witch hunt uh, while ignoring quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. Then in March, so February 7th, he does the interview with Bob Woodward. Yeah, it looks like it's five times more deadly than the, you know, a regular flu. A lot of people don't know that people die annually from the flu virus. Some years it's tens and tens of thousands of Americans that will die from the influenza virus, the flu virus. Um, Here's what the president told Woodward on February 7th. It goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. More deadly than even your strenuous flus. Well, it does explain his willingness to go even against every expert in the Oval Office. I've, I've interviewed people that were in the room when the president made the call 10 days after the first identified case of corona. And they've all said the same thing. Nobody thought that was needed at the time, but he did it. Joe Biden was against it. Now, you know, to get lectures from Biden, the mob, the media, Kamala Harris and others, when that one decision alone, incalculable thousands of Americans did not contract the virus because of that one decision. They were wrong, just like they were busy in their impeachment witch hunt. And so where they're they're now focused on is now in March. Another phone call with Bob Woodward writing this book. I guess the president cooperated with this. I'm not sure exactly why, but anyway, tells Woodward, well, I don't want to create a panic. In other words, he wasn't going to overhype this thing. Now, even if it is five times worse than your average flu, you're not talking about millions of Americans dying. But maybe, who knows what would have happened at the travel ban not bought us all the time that that bought us. Here's what he said. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you... Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to... Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. So, I mean, there's two different things that are conflating here. Um, it was interesting. Now, Dr. Anthony Fauci defended the president today from claims that he lied about the coronavirus. He says, I don't recall anything that was any gross distortion and things that I spoke to him about. And this is after the Bob Woodward interview and tape came out. Anyway, the Washington Post went further, saying the president had been intentionally misleading Americans. No, the president... Do you really want a president to say you're all going to die? <laughs> I mean, it was, first of all, it's not true. Nobody likes one death. You know, I consider myself pro-life. I don't like one death. And you don't want anybody dying from the flu annually either. And Fauci went on Fox News. I don't think the president ever distorted things I spoke to him about. Referring to the president's press briefings, he said, I don't think he said much different than what we said to him when we were in the Oval Office. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing to me. March, Fauci told the great one on, on Life, Liberty, Levin that Trump's response to the pandemic had been impressive. I can't imagine that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more.
Well, that got forgotten about, too. And I interviewed Fauci January 27th. I interviewed him again February 11th. I interviewed the president February 2nd for the Super Bowl. Then he said, just explaining why I put the travel ban in effect. So obviously the president was taking it seriously, doing things that, you know, caused Democrats to be calling him hysterical and xenophobic and and pretty much a racist and everything else in between and a fear monger. Anyway, the president just got questions on it. Let's dip in. Does anybody have any questions on the uh, judges, please? Anybody on the judges? Excuse me. Any questions? They're outstanding people. Very important decision. Very important that Joe Biden uh, put up potential nominees. I think it's a very important thing for our country that he do that. Okay, please go ahead. Do you have a question? Can you address the uh, concerns from the Woodward book in regards to whether did you mislead the public by saying uh, that you downplayed uh, the coronavirus and that you repeatedly did that in order to uh, reduce panic? Did you mislead the public? Well, I think uh, if you said in order to reduce panic, perhaps that's so. The fact is I'm a cheerleader for this country. I love our country. And I don't want people to be frightened. I don't want to create panic, as you say. And uh, certainly, I'm not going to uh, drive uh, this country or the world into a frenzy. We want to show confidence. We want to show strength. We want to show strength as a nation. And that's what I've done. And we've done very well. We've done well from any standard. You look at uh, our numbers compared to other countries, other parts of the world. It's been an amazing job that we've done. I think it's very sad in many respects because the incredible individuals working so hard on it, including our vice president, they've done this great job. They haven't been acknowledged by the news media, and they should for the job we've done, whether it's ventilators, and now you'll see very soon with vaccines and with therapeutics, the job we've done has been incredible. But we don't want to, we don't want to instill panic. We don't want to jump up and down and start shouting uh, that we have a problem that is uh, a tremendous problem, scare everybody. And I'll tell you the other thing, we immediately started buying all over the world. We started buying uh, masks and gowns and everything else. And we don't want to cause uh, pricing to go up to a level that becomes almost unaffordable. So yeah, in that sense, so in that sense, I agree with it. Yeah, please. How do you reassure the American public going forward that they can trust what you're saying? Well, I think that's uh, really a big part of trust. We have to have leadership. We have to show leadership. And the last thing you want to do is create a panic in the country. This was a horrible thing. It was sent to us by China. Should not have happened, should never have happened. This is a disgusting, terrible situation. Uh, that was foisted upon us, and uh, we have to show, we just don't want to use, the best word is panic. We don't want to have to show panic. We're not going to show panic. And that's exactly what I did. And I was very open, whether it's to Woodward or anybody else. It's just another political hit job. But whether it was Woodward or anybody else, you cannot show a sense of panic, or you're going to have bigger problems than you ever had before. Please.
did a job. We learned about this horrible disease, along with the rest of the world, which had to learn about it. And then we opened it up. And now we know the vulnerable. We know who it attacks, who it's uh, so vicious against. And I think we've done, from every standpoint, a, a incredible job. Uh, we shouldn't have lost anybody. Nobody should have lost. China released something that they shouldn't have been allowed to release. They should not have released. It came out of China. It went to Europe. It went all over the world. Should have never happened. They could have stopped it. They stopped it from going into the remainder of China. It started in Wuhan, and they stopped it. But they didn't stop it from coming to our country. Now, we had to show calm. We had to show, uh, you know, if it was up to you or whoever, I have no idea what he said in the book. And again, uh, it's a book that I gave him some quotes. And frankly, we'll see how the book turned out. I have no idea. You're asking me questions for the first time. But again, the last thing we can show is panic or excitement or fear or anything else. We had to take care of the, we had to take care of the situation we were given. Now, Long before anybody else wanted to do it, I closed our borders to a very heavily infected China. If I didn't do that, we would have had hundreds of thousands more people die. Uh, Dr. Fauci said it. Many people said it. It was a great decision. It was a decision I made and I had to make. It was a decision that a lot of people thought I was wrong. Nancy Pelosi said I was wrong. Joe Biden said I was wrong. They all came back and they said it was the right decision. And I was way early. That was in January, the end of January I did that. So that was a very uh, good thing we did. Otherwise, we would have had hundreds of thousands more. But if we didn't close the country, we would have been talking about millions of people instead of the numbers that we have right now. You mentioned that you were trying to avoid price gouging, but you, you mentioned to Bob Woodward that you recognize that this virus spread through the air in, on February 7th. You didn't begin Project Airbridge until March. You didn't use the Defense Production Act until March. You didn't start ramping up ventilator well, production I mean, until you March. You didn't really think it was going to be to the point where it was. All of a sudden, the world was infected. The entire world was infected. Everyone was scrambling around looking where to buy face masks and all of the other things. We've opened up factories. We've had tremendous success with face masks and with shields and with the ventilators. We're now supplying the rest of the world. We have all the ventilators we can use. And remember this, the ventilators were very important. Not one person that needed a ventilator didn't get it. And these are very complex, expensive machines to make. We opened up something like hadn't been done since the Second World War. We honestly, we've done a, an incredible job, but we don't want to run around screaming, shouting, oh, look at this, look at this. We have to show leadership. And leadership is all about confidence. And confidence is confidence in our country. And our people have been great. We've been put through a lot by China, by releasing this, by having this come here. We were put through a lot. They could have done something about it, and they chose not to. I am very honored to have presented uh, to you today a list of 20 incredible people. And uh, we will talk later. I'm sure we'll be meeting later Mr. in the President, day. Thank you, were Thank you very much. You on the threat in January, late January. You knew how... Hey, that was the president just moments ago. Um, and by the way, the president will join us on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. This is just going to be a daily, a daily exercise by the mob. Do you think they'll ask Joe Biden? Why did you call, was it, why did you call the, the travel ban hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering? Kamala, why were you busy? Why didn't you jump into this early? 
You had access to all the scientists. Fauci, he's on record as saying, I can't imagine under any circumstances that anybody could be doing anything more. The great Dr. Fauci praised by all the media. And by the way, I've never had a problem with Fauci. You know, a lot of people got everything wrong because we were lied to on a spectacular and unprecedented level. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Look, this is going to be, and I'm trying to offer some perspective here. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and, you know, I think of, like, my dad's generation and my grandparents. My grandparents, I've told the story before, turn of the last century, they're in their teens. They come to America, all four from Ireland, all four grandparents. They have no money in their pocket. And they've struggled their whole lives. They're always poor. My mom grew up in the South Bronx, kind of poor. My dad, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, really poor. And his mom died not long after his birth from complications. During, and I, I think of their, my parents' lives. Growing up during a depression. And, that, you know, my father spending four years fighting in the Pacific. And I think, and I'm like, okay. I wonder if Donald Trump ever said we have nothing to fear but fear itself. My parents, I never understood it. Sort of like, you know, my kids now understand it, but they didn't understand it for a long time. You know, two days from now, it's going to be the, what, 20th anniversary um, of, you know, 9-11. Think about that. You know, they were just born. They didn't live it like we did that are older. You know, we're in the middle of a depression with soup lines and poverty and unemployment, you know, 30%, whatever it was. And just a disaster for so many. What does FDR say? There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, you're downplaying the effects of the depression. What is he, do they expect the president who took the action of the coronavirus 10 days after the first identified case, while Joe Biden is saying it's hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering, and, and follows up with, yeah, this is serious. We're taking it seriously. You know, but I don't want to create a panic. As the worst thing ever said. Was the president supposed to create a panic? We're all going to die? No, they were working with medical researchers and medical scientists and medical professionals and the coronavirus task force, and they're dealing with it. And, you know, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. The last time I checked. I will come back. We'll get to your calls. Bill O'Reilly, the president on Hannity tonight at nine. All right. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. Uh, Back in the the top five on Amazon.com. Top two yesterday. Thank you for making that happen. And uh, I hope you get a copy. It defines everything that is in jeopardy. Everything that's at stake. Everything the mob won't tell you. Everything that they are proposing that will end in disappointment, failure, things that they will never, promises they can never fulfill, and all the freedoms you'll give up in the process. Their stated policies will destroy America's economy and strength around the world. It's scary. Scary times. Anyway, Amazon.com, 40% discount, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere, Costco, Walmart, um, Target, uh, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. Um, You know, we're going to get to our phones here in just a second. Um, These are very fascinating times. We're now at the point in this election where you might as well just buckle up. It's going to be a huge controversy a day. Everything but talking about Donald Trump and his record versus Joe Biden's 50 years of failure and Joe Biden's cognitive struggles. 
It's all designed to keep America off balance every single solitary day and try to throw the Trump campaign off balance as well. Uh, All right, let's go to our phones here as we say hi to Mike is in Texas. Mike, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. It's an honor to talk to you. Uh, Thanks for serving America every day. Well, thank you for this microphone. I can't do it without you, sir. Yes. uh, So I just wanted to give you an update on my uncle, uh, Bobby. Uh, He was his name's Robert Cobb. He was uh, the one who got attacked in Kenosha, the 71 year old man. And Uh, he got a broken jaw, if I remember right. He did, yeah, in like two places. Right now it's wired shut, actually. By the way, people would wish that in my life, but seriously, that's a painful, painful <laughs> injury. Yeah, so when we got there, he was it was hard for him to talk, and he, he actually has, he got do- donated to him from some old ladies a bunch of syringes and food that he could eat, like liquid foods, and he puts it in a syringe, and that's how he eats every day, with mashed potatoes and soup and that kind of thing. Man, that's rough. That is really rough. Let me remind people, because we just keep forgetting. You know, this is Kenosha. This is New York. This is Chicago. This is Portland. This is Seattle. This is Los Angeles. This is uh, San Francisco. It's everywhere. Just, just we got to absorb this. And the Democrats deny with you know, what our very eyes show us. And then the silence deafening from Biden, Kamala Harris, the defund effort she supported, Biden reallocating funds, police become the enemy. There's no place for violence. No place for looting or destroying property or burning churches or destroying businesses. Many of them built by the very people of color who are the first time in their lives are beginning to realize their dreams and build wealth for their families. Nor is it acceptable for our police sworn to protect and serve all people to escalate tension, resort to excessive violence. We need to distinguish between legitimate peaceful protests and opportunistic violent destruction. We have to be vigilant about the violence that's being done by this incumbent president to our economy and to the pursuit of justice. Does it hurt Democrats' cause if there are some in your party that are saying defund the police? The president is suggesting that shows Democrats are weak in terms of law. The president has no credibility on anything. He lies. He's the first person anyone can think of in modern history who's taken regular military officers and had them move against peaceful demonstrators, causing four former chiefs of staff to say, this guy's bad, this guy's wrong, he should just stop. Uh, Surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is that... Do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding? Yes, uh, absolutely. One of the things that we also need to be doing is fundamentally changing the way, and I've been pushing it for years, changing the way we deal with our prison system. We've got to re-examine what we're doing with American taxpayer dollars and ask the question, are we getting the right return on our investment? Are we actually creating healthy and safe communities? And that's a legitimate conversation, and it requires a, a really critical evaluation. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. I mean, it, it is it is frightening out there. And now your family is a victim of this, Mike. Right. And everybody that I spoke to in the community, I mean, me and my dad, Mark Cobb, we went out there and talked to different people with him. And, and they said that he's just a very generous man. And, and they all know him in the community. I mean, they said, like, if anybody didn't deserve it, it was him. 
No, I mean, it's sad. I mean, I, that, that is a very painful injury when you have your jaw wired shut. And I know because it's happened to friends of mine that I train with. And, you know, just in the normal course of, of us doing our martial arts, it's very painful. Uh, anyway, Mike, I mean, it's sad. Please send your uh, 71-year-old Uncle Bob our best and, and our prayers and, and a speedy recovery, okay? Yeah, and I uh, just wanted to tell you, we, we put out a YouTube video for, for anybody who'd like an update. Uh, we just put it out. If you just if you just type in Aftermath Kenosha Man Reunion, you'll see it on, on YouTube. But uh, I just wanted to also say thanks to Emily Cahill. If it wasn't for her, I don't believe he, he, she saved his life. We really believe. So. Well, stay right there. Linda is lady. dying to ask you a question. So I will make an allowance for oh, Linda to just you. interrupt and jump. She's screaming at me. First I want to ask First of all, I did not interrupt. I asked you nicely off In my mic. ear while I'm talking, but go I ahead. I just said, listen... Mike, I'm so sorry. And, you know, we it's it's one of these things that Katie and I deal with every day. We get calls like yours, people who are living this every day. And, and you know, we're no exception because we're here in New York and we have our own experiences. But I'm just curious if anyone from local government or the celebrities have started a GoFundMe for your uncle or if there's any, you know, people reaching out to talk about the horrific way in which a 71-year-old man was treated by a bunch of well, people. Well, he did mention about some nice women in his neighborhood right. that were making him special food. That was pretty cool. I mean, I think that's nice. Unfortunately, he has yeah. to sip it through a straw, but yeah. But I'm I'm being they facetious, they obviously. Like, has anybody, you know, of from the government or anybody locally reached out and said, this is so horrible? Like, I mean, and what happened to the store that he was protecting? Is it trashed? Yeah, no, uh, none of the government has tried to get a hold of them. In fact, just a, a good friend of theirs is the one who started up a GoFundMe page, which is, if you watch the YouTube video, there's a link in for you to see the, the GoFundMe page. But it's funny um, that when we went to ask about the insurance company, they actually rejected their claim because they said it's an act of terrorism. No way. Uh, so, Are you serious? Yeah, no Yes, yeah, so they're fighting that right now because, you know, federally they haven't... Uh, so the insurance company knows it's terrorism, but Joe Biden doesn't. Okay, so this is good. So maybe right. they and, should run for president. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you know, Joe Biden, when he came out, he didn't ask to talk to my uncle, but the Trump campaign people asked. He just, he didn't want to talk to any of the media. He just didn't want anything to do with that. But uh, yeah, Trump people tried to call him, but the Biden people, they just wanted to talk to the Black Lives Matter people. And the, and the store he protected was not his own? No, uh, he was working for a lady. Uh, he delivers mattresses for her. Her name's Sue. She's so this man at 71 Sue. years old is delivering mattresses, working hard every day, protects that of another human being in true American helping your fellow patriot, and this is what happens to him.
They're getting out! 10 4 on gas! We're gonna gas! Yeah! Get ready to kick this you can't boot it back there! They all have gas masks on! Get they ready! This poor man got his house, his business caught on fire. I'm sorry, sir. I'm very sorry about that, man. Yeah, really. I, hey, I have nothing to do with that. I'm trying to stop this here. Dude, I'm going to help this guy. I don't give a if I get beat up. They just threw a bottle at this guy. Turn his head, turn his head. So he was just defending his business, that's all he was doing. And they walked up and f***ed him up. F***ed him up. I have it all on video. All of it. He didn't deserve any of that. Any of it. This is just wrong, guys. Do you not see this? This is wrong. This is what's going to happen to every one of you when this goes nationwide. I don't think you realize this. Please, guys. Thank you for letting us know about this, Mike. All right, Mike, thank you. Appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN. Listen, this is the most important election in our lifetime. It just is. All right, let's get to our busy phones. Uh, Sam in California. Sam, how are you? Glad you called. Well, don't let me tell you, Sean. It's an honor to speak with you. Oh, my God. I'm thank just telling you, you I think we fir- I firmly believe California is handing Trump one of his many golden tickets. I mean, seriously. If you've, it's just I'm watching Fox News. Orange haze. It is an apocalypse here. It's Armageddon. And the reason for that is you've heard of the black, the rolling blackouts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, turn well, we off have... your air conditioner now. Set your thermostat to 78. Use a fan. Who wants to use a fan? I had a fan growing up, and I, would, I remember sleeping in my bed sweating profusely. It's, and we're doing that now. You can't go outside. The air quality is bad. But I'm telling you, this has got to do with the Democratic policies. I mean, Trump has to, I mean, President Trump has to realize that California has been trying to do what AOC, Biden, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Governor Newsom has, has fed into this because for the past several years, we used to have this controlled fires in California. Let's slowly, like the fire department, the forestry, they defunded the forestry about eight, nine years ago. And now the last three or four years in a row, we have these every year. It's worse and worse and worse. We have the 2.4 million acres in California that have currently burned. Is, yeah, I mean, it, I mean that's. A, I remember when I I lived in in Santa Barbara. I was the poorest person there in the <laughs> uh, in the early 80s. And I remember not long after I left Hope Ranch, which was was a beautiful part of Santa Barbara. I mean, nearly the whole neighborhood burned down. It's terrible, and the, from the Santa Inez uh, mountains there, and you know, I, it's such beautiful terrain. But you have to manage it. You have to have you know forestry going on, and that is in part that means controlled burns. If you don't, this is what happens. 
thank you, thank you. And so for the past several years now with Governor Brown prior, so the green people came in, we went to wind and we went to solar. Well, then they cut away 10% of our natural resources. You've got to be kidding me. And now we actually have to pay and borrow from other states to buy energy because we don't have enough. We are buying our energy from, from Arizona, from Nevada, from Oregon. It's we are a third world country now. We have the fifth largest GNP in the world, but I'm not lying. And you, you, you already know this, the mass exodus. I can't wait to get out of California. And I was born and raised here. I'm 58 going. I cannot wait to get out of here. Yeah, you better get out soon because they're about to implement a wealth tax that even if you are no longer a resident, they want to still charge you for 10 consecutive years uh, state income tax. You don't even live in the state. That's how nuts it's gotten in California. Now, I don't see what you're seeing. I don't. I don't think there's a chance in hell that California turns red. Oh, not. So that's why I feel like I'm a minority. I'm so glad again to be on your show because uh, I mean I, I run a small dental practice, and let me tell you, I have to keep my mouth shut 24/7 because you know it's just you just have to watch everything you say here. Uh, no, forget it. San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles. Just start there, and I'm telling you, I don't think the votes exist, but we'll see. Listen, California's beautiful state, but it is now, you know, it is a preview of coming attractions in Biden and Kamala Harris's America. Uh, but anyway, appreciate the call. Wish you the best. Feel sorry for everybody that's impacted by all of this. I live free or die. Yes, America, the world on the brink. You are the ultimate jury. It's only 55 days. Hang on. Is that Leonard Skinner? That can only mean one thing. Simple man. Uh, all things Bill O'Reilly. Um, now, this is a very difficult dilemma that I find myself in today because, uh, by the way, Bill's going to stay with us for the hour. Bill has now 15 number one best-selling books. I only have four, and I'll never have another one. Bill wins. But he's got this fascination and passion and love for history, Many of you may not know that Bill was once a professor. Thank God I didn't. I thought the, I thought the nuns at, at Sacred Heart were bad and the priests at St. Pius were bad. I can only imagine O'Reilly as my teacher. God help me. Um, but uh, he was. And it's killing Crazy Horse called the Merciless uh, Indian Wars in America. Uh, the killing series, by the way, the the number one history selling series in, in the history of 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 these uh, biographies, actually, in many ways, history books. Um, I actually had time to read it this weekend. It was a it was a great escape. I don't know as much about this. T- I did not know much about this topic, and I learned a lot. Um, I know people always Bill always comes under fire when he writes a book, killing Jesus, killing Reagan. I know created big controversies, uh, but that's kind of the story of Bill O'Reilly's life. We're going to get to that in a minute, Mister O'Reilly. Fifteen number one bestsellers. That's okay. Not bad, sir. For a simple guy, that's pretty cool. You know, you're still beating me on Amazon, though, today. Hannity <laughs> is beating O'Reilly on Amazon. Oh, my God. Is, know, are we, are we, is that where we now exist? Is this now, you know, is there, is there a competition here? Seriously? I'm just happy to two Irish guys <laughs> in the top ten. I mean, that's, I'm, but this is how uh, nice a guy Hannity is after this huge interview on more than 600 Stations, I could overtake him on Amazon, but Hannity is selfless. And by the way, I would be perfectly oh, fine with that. I mean, I guess maybe 
you know, live free or die. And I know I had my two non-cupcake interviews with you. And I the, yeah. the, the hard part is, is I can't do the same to you because this is not as much about, you know, all right, defend your position on this. This is you telling a story. Yep. And this is about research that you and you, you co-author with this with Martin Dugard, who's a great writer and a great researcher. And I know you're best friends with him. Um, I was planning on talking about politics, but maybe we should start with the book. You know, it, it became a big controversy, for example, with Elizabeth Warren claiming that she was Native American. Uh, somebody that I am very dear friends with, Ricky Medlock, he plays guitar for Leonard Skinner, uh, by the way, ironically, right? Simple man. Yeah. And I have sat and listened to Ricky Medlock, and he's Native American, teach me things about his heritage that I am blown away by. So I'm, I'm um, fascinated by the topic. Listen, I wrote this book because I am sick and tired of hearing about far-left people propagandize the nation's history. I didn't know. A former history, you mentioned a former history high school teacher in Opelika, Florida, a slum of Miami, and I did that for two years. And then when I started researching Killing Crazy Horse with Martin Dugard, I couldn't believe what happened because I had no clue. It wasn't taught in school. You don't know who these people are. Cochise, Geronimo, Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, all the big names. Um, we tell you exactly who they are and what happened, and we tell the truth. And that's the key thing, that Americans should know the truth about their country, both good and bad, because it's relevant today. I have a, a really good Biden thing, by the way, uh, later on uh, when we talk. Just remind me. I have it right in front of me. Um, but anyway, if you don't know the truth about your country, you can't defend it. And right now I'm involved in a campaign that you've helped me with called Stand Up For Your Country. I'm not kneeling, all right? So tomorrow the National Football League starts. You're going to see all kinds of kneeling. You're going to see Black Lives Matter on the helmets. You're going to see stuff in the end zone. All politics all the time on the football field. Number one, that's insulting to me. I just want to see a game. I'm a sports fan as well as a political analyst. I don't need guys telling me on the 30-yard line about Black Lives Matter. I know about Black Lives Matter. So anyway, I want people to stand up for their country, but in order to do that in a responsible way, you have to know the truth about your country. And therefore, when I put out history books like Killing Lincoln, Killing England, and now Killing Crazy Horse, if you read those books, they are entirely fact-based. I am telling you the truth, both good and bad about America, all right? Every country on the planet has social injustice in its past, every single one, including the Vatican. That's a so, great point, by the way, that, and, and I'm very vocal about it, Bill. I'm, I was raised you Catholic. You honest down the line, yeah. and so am I, and that's why I believe we're successful. I believe the two Irish guys in the top ten on Amazon.com are successful <laughs> because we're honest guys. But if you're going to be honest, you have to say, this happened in your country, and that's what killing crazy horses is all about. Here's what happened. And then you, the honest American reader, can make up your own mind. You know, they, listen, there's, there's no dispute. Slavery is evil. Slavery is wrong. 
that that is just a a f- it is human evil as far as I'm concerned. There's no other way to describe it. It is a part of our history. The beauty that I always like to point out about our founders and our framers is, and there was a big fight at the Constitutional Convention in 1787 over this very issue. Civil war was fought, fought in large part over this issue, you know, leading to courageous change and, and the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. And history doesn't capture that Lincoln was a Republican. They don't capture that that Lyndon Johnson needed 80 percent of Republicans in the House and Senate for the Civil Rights Act because Joe Biden's mentor, Robert, the former Klansman Byrd, was filibustering the, the Civil Rights Act. But the beauty of our framers and founders, and there's no perfect country on Earth, is that they did build a system to right wrongs, correct injustices. And that system has worked effectively. And we've made major strides. We have major strides to still make. The, the, the narrative, you, though, is with Native Americans is is uh, very clear too. pilgrims coming to the, the United States, not the United States at the time, the 13 colonies, and that they wouldn't have survived the winter without the help of Native Americans. I believe that part of history is 100 percent true and that there were conflicts and battles. And but the narrative you would learn in school is that it was always you know, the settlers that were always wrong and indigenous people were had their land robbed from them. Is that true? No, um, it it is a there is some truth matter. to it. No, let's let's start with your slavery point. And I write all about this in Killing Lincoln. What about the hundreds of thousands of white young men who were killed and maimed trying to free the slaves? You have, to, you have to really think about that. All right, these were 16 to 23-year-olds. That was the Union Army. They were conscripted. They were drafted. They were fighting. They knew what they were fighting for. And it wasn't the tariff, and it wasn't states' rights. It was free the black man. And they were willing to run into bullets and have their legs amputated without anesthesia in order to free the black man. Have you heard that from Black Lives Matter movement or CNN? But but it goes deeper, Bill. All right, got to take a quick break. We'll come back more with Bill O'Reilly, the latest in his Killing series, author of 15 number one bestsellers. It's called Killing Crazy Horse. It's part of his historical killing series, Lincoln, Kennedy, Jesus, Patton, Reagan... As we continue, Bill O'Reilly out with his latest uh, in in his killing series, uh, Killing Crazy Horse, the Merciless Indian Wars in America, Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. There were people in all races that were working to end the the evil of slavery. That's a fact, too. Sure. the, The Underground Railroad could not have existed without people like Harriet Tubman, a black woman, or other people like Frederick Douglass, who escaped, and, in, and we did this on the No Spin News last week. Tremendous story. Should be a movie made about him. All right, he, he escaped slavery, and he went up to New England and became Abraham Lincoln's top black advisor. But anyway, my overarch point is this. These situations are very complicated. Slavery, Native American wars... I mean, some of these wars had to be fought. The Comanches in Texas, but were a good example. 
they were out of control. They were the most feared group in North America of any group. I mean, if you were unlucky enough to run into the Comanches, you didn't come out intact. But there were other Indian tribes that were noble, that wanted to form an alliance with the great white father in Washington, as the Indians called him. So it's a very complicated situation. And we don't live in a complicated age now. We live in an age of hate. One side hates the other. One side hates America. One side hates the people who hate America. And, and all factual basis is being lost, which is why Killing Crazy Horse is a history book. It's a fun book to read. All right, But it's also very relevant to right now. Know your history. Love your country. Invest some time to learn about it. Have Do you think as we've gone through and there's been numerous attempts to right the wrong and injustices of of Native Americans? I would actually be fascinated to bring you back to talk about the book and have Ricky Medlock on with us uh, because of his knowledge and his background. Um, being Native American and one of my dear friends. And, and he's so knowledgeable, he's so passionate about it. Um, it. Are there instances where we have been able to correct wrong and injustices? And tell me how. There, have been, there has been an attempt on the Native American front uh, by the federal government to uh, give reparations. And this is very interesting. Most Native Americans have assimilated into our society, so they're half Cherokee, half Irish. They're assimilated. They don't, you don't even know unless I tell you that they're from that ancestry. The reparations toward the Indian tribes came in the form of a casino license. That's more All modern, the United though. States. But we had All reservations the- and lands set aside earlier. Yeah, but you know what? That's not great land. They, the best land went to the white folks, and the bad land went to the Indians. And that was unfair, brutally unfair, and that's what caused most of the wars. And I, in the book, I go 1813, 1890. As you know, we, we cover all of the conflicts. But today, the federal government basically says, look, we know we hosed you. We know we broke the treaties. So here's a casino license, and you can make as much money as you can if you distribute it among your tribe. That's the caveat, all right, so that the people living on the reservations, they benefit. Mohegan Sun up in Connecticut, um, the Hard Rock down in uh, Hollywood, Florida, uh, Seminole. And so they tried to do it that way, and I thought that was a pretty good way, even though, you know, I'm not a – big gambler, and I don't, don't encourage that, but I, I thought that was a pretty good way to at least give the Native American tribes who are on the reservations a lot of money. And they also have given them mineral rights in some cases, and on and on and on. Does it make up for what happened? Not really. Is it an attempt? A, try, would it, a noble country does try to right wrong, so I believe that we have tried in that regard. But, but in the end, you believe we've, we have not been able to do it? I think what, what this is another complicated question. I think the United States government tried too late to right the wrong. However, 
the Native Americans themselves are so industrious and so motivated to improve their lives. Talking about Native Americans who have accepted our system of capitalism, have gone into it and succeeded. Stay right there. Bill O'Reilly, I'm I'm sure destined to now be another number one bestseller. It's all part of uh, a a killing series. I mean, the list is long, killing Lincoln, Kennedy, Jesus, Patton, Reagan, uh, the Rising Sun, England, the SS. uh, You know, obviously the best-selling, I guess, series, history series ever sold, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, it's on Amazon.com, as Bill mentioned. Bill's looking to kick my ass and, and beat me on Amazon right now, but that's fine with me. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I should have known. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Leonard Skinner, simple man. That means it's all things Bill O'Reilly. We're going to get uh, to the topic of, well, we have an election in 55 days. I want to ask him one more question. He's just released his new book today, part of his best-selling killing series, I mean, from killing Lincoln, Kennedy, Jesus, Patton, Reagan, Rising Sun, England, the SS. Um, all these books have done phenomenally well. Uh, killing Crazy Horse, The Merciless Indian Wars in America. How do you view... Well, one of the things that Ricky Medlock inst- instilled in me when we did this tour with Leonard Skinnerd, um, and it was part of the Freedom Concert tours that I used to do, is this, this passion among... You know, that that he has as a Native American for bravery, honor, valor that he says defined him and his family and his ancestors. And I loved all of that because I think that that is what makes any society a great society. Those qualities. What did you find? That's why I put Crazy Horse on the cover. Here was a guy who was the best. Native American military commander. And he had a very strict code of honor. Now, some of his braves broke it. And the aftermath of the Little Bighorn, Custer's Last Stand, was as gruesome as you're going to find. And that was because of the personal animus between Crazy Horse and Custer, which we write about extensively in Killing Crazy Horse. But Custer's body was not touched. It was the only body of the almost 300 people the Indians killed in that battle, including two journalists, Hannity. Two journalists were along because Custer said, hey, right along with me, I'm going to kick uh, Crazy Horse's butt. Mm, didn't the, didn't the pan out the way he planned. No. And you have to take all, we took all of our, um, all of our reporting on the Little Bighorn battle from the Indians because they were the only eyewitnesses that lived. We don't report it from the white man's point of view, which makes it a fascinating part of the book. But anyway, Crazy Horse had a, a sense of honor, and your friend in Leonard Skinner is absolutely correct. The bravery of these Native Americans up against the most powerful military machine in the middle of the 19th century after the Civil War. All of the veterans of the war went out west. All the people stayed in the army to defeat the Indians because there was so much chaos out there. Uh, that's how Custer got out there. And the Indians were outgunned, outmanned, out everything. And they individually won most of the fights. It's an incredible saga. And nobody knows it. 
Nobody knows it. And that's what, that, again, we go back to the fact that if you love your country, you've got to know about your country. And that's why. And by the way, these, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly, because if you want to become absolutely. a more perfect union, you've got to acknowledge fault where it exists. You know, all of this stuff was driven by money. I always say slavery money, Indian appropriation of their land's money. It always comes down to money. And you know what I wrote? You're going to get a kick out of this. You're a football fan, Hattie, right? Yes, sir. Why, why are the San Francisco 49ers haven't been canceled? Why? The 49ers, as I write about in Killing Crazy Horse, were prospectors who went in and decimated the California Indians, stole their land, mined on their land, wiped them out with the help of the California governor. I don't think it was Schwarzenegger. It was a little bit further back. Okay? So what do we have the 49ers for? The 49ers should have been canceled a long time ago. But if you're going to cancel them, I have a new name for the San Francisco football team. What is it? The San Francisco Pelosi's. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and then you're going to need a new By the way, everyone correct? gets a free hair salon appointment. Um with no, with no, every no. with every season ticket holder. All right. Last question. Every All one right. of your killing series books, and as I was reading through it, I actually still have more to, to get through. Um as I was reading through it, I'm trying to figure out, all right, where are they going after O'Reilly here? I mean, you got you got hammered on killing Reagan. You got hammered on killing Jesus. Yeah, and everything and, we wrote was true. Well, I'm not, I'm not questioning any of that. I'm not a historian, yeah. but I, but where do you think they're going to attack you on this book? I don't think that they're going to do it. I, I really think that this book is so tight. Um, Dugard and I, I mean, we hired uh, historians to read the manuscript. We hired, uh, not hired, but we sent it to Native American scholars. I don't think they're going to come at us because it would be very difficult to say this didn't happen when we can prove it did. All of our research is primary source material. That means that we don't go buy another book or we don't go buy a magazine. We do it. Dugard went there. Okay, He read the letters. You know, Indian history is oral tradition, but it got into the written. Once the Indians became more educated, they wrote down the stories of the Little Bighorn. They wrote down what Geronimo and Cochise said. So I don't know where they're going to come. Man, I, I, you're probably right. They probably will. But we're ready, as I said. Well, I don't think you really give a rip. Let's be honest. Um, we're 55 days out of an election. Um Obviously, we have a presidential candidate that was clearly in decline. Uh, Biden is out there all day today, blames the coronavirus on Trump. Meanwhile, he was against the travel ban, the quarantine, the subsequent travel bans, and the Democrats were impeaching. Um, And, you know, a guy that rarely has to ever answer a question. Now he gets caught saying, can you move up the teleprompter while answering questions? And he's protected by a media mob that hates Donald Trump. How's this going to play out? I used to do that. Uh, Can you move up that prompter? Come on. Where are my questions? Yes. Listen, um, you touched on this, but this this tells you everything you know you need to know about Joe Biden. I'm a simple man. I have a simple question. What does Joe Biden stand for? Give me one thing he stands for. Anybody listening, all the millions of people listening to Sean Alley right now, give me one thing. He doesn't stand for anything. 24 days ago on August 13th, at a press conference in Wilmington, Joe Biden said, let's institute a mask mandate nationwide. Remember that? Yep. Okay. 
24 days ago. On September 6th, three days ago, he said to uh, affiliate KTVK in Phoenix, Arizona, quote, the federal government, there's a constitutional issue, whether the federal government could issue such a mandate. I don't think constitutionally they could. So I wouldn't issue a mandate. <laughs> Wait a minute, Joe. 24 days ago, you said I'd institute a mass mandate. Now you won't. That epitomizes Biden. So simple. I said, this, this is perfect for the simple man. Contradicts himself 24 days later on a huge issue. What does Joe Biden stand for? I think it's a great question. Um, I've never seen a mobilization, and I was making this point on radio and TV yesterday, of you've got the media mob, as I call them, and it's, it's everybody in print. It's three broadcast networks. It's every cable news network except for Fox. I mean, it's, it's so one-sided. You've got Hollywood. You've got the elites all standing against Donald Trump. They all think he's going to lose. And I went back and reminded people yesterday of everything they were predicting and the fact that they were laughing at the idea that Trump could run, win the nomination, and then win the presidency. Um, I saw that on, t- on your show, TV show, last night. Well, thank you, you for watching. clips of all those pinheads. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, it was startling, and I did not even remember the Colbert's of the world and, and all of these people. I am never going to be president. Look, it just points out how ignorant, and when you're a hater, and this is for everybody, listen to me, when you hate that you're incapable of making sound judgments, you can't, because that hate is the most powerful emotion we have, and it clouds you. Now, do the media elite believe Donald Trump is going to lose? I don't think so. I think that's why they're hating so much. I think they know that right now in America, the violence in Portland, Oregon, Minneapolis, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and other cities has shaken the independent voters, the people who aren't ideological, has shaken them so much that that has overcome COVID and is now the primary motivator for voting for president. Biden has not said one word, not one word against the Black Lives Matter movement. Again, I have nothing with that slogan. That slogan is fine. Black lives do matter. But the movement is Marxist, and he has not said one word against it. I think that has turned the tide in favor of Donald Trump. Now, he might lose it because you know he could say anything at any time, but September 29th is the defining moment in this election. That's the first debate. Yep. If he does not show well on September 29th in Cleveland, Donald Trump will win. You think it's a one night thing. Now, I would argue, let me put it nicely. I would guess that Joe Biden's going to be drinking a lot of coffee that day and leading up to that debate. And I would imagine Joe has been spending a lot of his basement bunker time, you know, memorizing his lines, Bill. Uh, I don't think you dispute that. Well, Chris Wallace is the moderator, and we know him very well. And I think Wallace is going to come in loaded with questions that are not going to be predictable. And that will be very interesting. You've got to hit both candidates with questions they are not expecting and then follow up. Say you didn't answer it or I'm not clear about the answer or whatever. I think Wallace is going to do that. Well, I thought he moderated the best debate 
in the last election cycle. That was my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, Wallace doesn't like Trump. All right, that's a fact. I don't dispute like that, but, I'm, uh, no, but I but thought he was the most fair of the three debates in 2016 by far, by a big margin. It's, it's a little bit more than that, though. It's a legacy play for Chris. So his father, Mike Wallace, in my opinion, best broadcast journalist in history. You were but friends with him. Up to. What? You were friends with him. I was very good friends with him. And he was unbelievable. Well, I should show everybody how old O'Reilly is. Jeez. Well, I was I was only sixteen. I delivered papers. <laughs> You're such a liar. Yeah, you know, yeah. for a simple man, you got a very complicated response that comes flying out. But go ahead. All right. So Chris Wallace, a legacy play. All right. This is his big stage. Millions of people all over the world are going to watch this debate. So he's got to be tough on both candidates. I think he will be. Can Biden handle that? I mean, we'll see. I've got a question. I'm not going to tell it to you now, but I will tell it to you when we talk right before the debate. That would knock Joe Biden off the stage. And it is an extremely simple question because, as you know, I am a simple man. All right. Bill O'Reilly, his new book is out. Amazon.com. We have a link on Hannity.com. It's now in bookstores everywhere. It's called Killing Crazy Horse, The Merciless Indian Wars in America. It's part of his Killing series. Now, what is it? This is the best-selling series, history series ever. What do you? Best nonfiction book series of all time. That's pretty big. That's pretty exciting. And is that amazing? It certainly I, I, beats O'Reilly, the O'Reilly factor for kids, for crying out loud. I mean, you know, you know we have <laughs> grandpa lecturing alone, kids. Jeez. Leave those kids alone. They love oh that book. Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm uh, giving that book out on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll be giving away all the, the bin copies. Uh, all right. It's on uh, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere, Killing Crazy Horse, The Merciless Indian Wars in America. Bill O'Reilly, always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, good luck with the book, and uh, uh, we'll have you back next week. Before we go, I want to play Fauci again. President, he said, defending the president. I, I can't imagine under any circumstances anybody could be doing more. Yeah, he said that. As you hear the hysteria tonight in the mob. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you a question. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it, impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck, is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full-time on this, almost full-time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone, so I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. I mean, obviously, we're, we're fighting a formidable enemy, this virus. This virus is, 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 a, is a serious issue here. All right, Lawrence Jones is in Michigan, who's there with Biden. Carl Rove is on the program tonight. You got to meet the mother of the seven-year-old and a friend that was punched. Real-life, you know, tragedy. The president of the United States. We'll talk about, obviously, the Woodward book and much, much more. 9 Eastern, set your DVR. Hope you set your DVR every night. Fox News. We'll see you tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow. As always, thanks for being with us.